glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. If I asked you this, going through a series on the body and how the Christian should use his or her body, we, we all of us, whether we should or not, or want to admit it or not, have preconceived ideas about things. So when it comes to the Christian and his or her body, what might a series like this entail? What are we going to be preaching on? And I said a lot of them before, and we've already dealt with some of it. But, you know, what you put in your body, what you put on your body, what you say from your mouth, where you go with your feet what you do with your hands, right? So we're going to we're going to we're going to be preaching that the Christian, you know, should should not drink alcohol and shouldn't curse God's name and should be modest and godly and holy. these are all things that are and they're all very true and right. We'll continue to preach those things. But there's something that might escape us that I think is in this message tonight. And I believe what I'm going to preach on tonight, I'm gonna, we're going to deal with this woman and the fine example she sets for how we should use our bodies. So a number of the things we're going to deal with is things that the Christian should abstain from so that we may be a godly testimony. And no doubt those things must be dealt with. We will and have been dealing with things we should do, like preaching the gospel and taking the gospel to people with our feet, with our mouth. We'll deal more with that when we get to the tongue, things we should and shouldn't say with our tongue. But I believe this, probably and especially for a Sunday night group of people, who are in church, probably the most subtle sins in our life or areas that need dealt with and brought light to are not the things we do with our bodies, but the things we don't do. Let me ask you this. If there's something that should be done with our bodies and we just neglect to do it, is that as wrong as doing things with our body that we should not? And I believe I dealt with this when dealing with giving the gospel a few weeks ago. Is it just as sinful to refuse to preach the gospel to someone as it is to use God's name in vain? According to the Bible, it is. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In the message tonight, this woman is going to do with her body what all of us should if Christ is our Savior as he was hers. And that is use it to serve his purpose and to glorify him. I really believe this woman was far more concerned with what everyone thought of Jesus than what they thought of her. I'm convinced of that from the text. She was criticized by Judas and the disciples. She was criticized by Simon. The only person that commended her for what she did was Jesus. The only person. Now, he's the only one that commended her, and that was good enough for her. Uh, we were having a conversation this morning, Jim and Jeff and I, just before they took off on the bus, and I do believe that the Lord is bringing this theme to this church right now. And so I hope you're listening closely tonight, and I don't exclude myself from this, but I believe the Lord is dealing with this church about living exclusively to please Him. Not to gain favor. When our conversation this morning was, we are often, as Christians today, accused of not being nice and we fear what people think, and they might think we're not nice, and we refrain from being bold for our Lord. And what that has to do with is we draw back, if you would, in our service to the Lord, including and especially how we use our bodies, because that's what men can see, and that's what men can hear. And we draw back from being consecrated to the Lord and pouring our all out for Him, not because it wouldn't please Him, but because it doesn't please them. 
You with me tonight? And I'm just trying to introduce the spirit behind this message. We're going to consider these two people who are interacting with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe we're going to be more like one of the two of them. You may fit somewhere in between. There were people here that were watching as this took place, but you have the Pharisee who had all the tools that anybody would need to serve the Lord and didn't. And then you have this woman who was very unconventional in how she served the Lord, but it's what she could do, and so she did. In fact, in Mark's Gospel and some of the others, it says she hath done what she could. And so let's, let's look at this tonight. Uh, verse 36, uh, Luke 7. The Bible says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner." Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him most. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now you, you just explain how this message ends up in this series of messages. I want you to think through how this woman is using her body. When she knew that Jesus was in the house, where did she go? She took her feet and went where he was. Her feet took her near the Lord. She wants to come to minister to his body. Because she is perceptive of where she can meet with him, her feet took her to him. She's got an alabaster box. You have to know she carried that in her hands. At some point she broke that box, meaning she used her own hands to break what was the most valuable asset she owned so that she could pour that on him. She used her eyes and wept tears so that she'd have water to wash his feet. Then she used her hair because she didn't have a rag to wipe his feet. You with me? I get the idea, because she loves him, her entire body is engaged in serving him. And we see by how she used her body where her heart was. May I say, the same is true of you and I tonight. How we use our bodies indicates who and what we love. End of story. 
End of story. We say, we look at it as well. Simon, many times we, we become like him, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because we'll get to him. But we look on and we say, well, you know, she has this or she that. And the fact of the matter is, every one of us has an equal opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the privileges I've had this year, my wife has kind of motivated me. She started reading missionary stories. I've read missionary stories in time past, and it's kind of encouraged me to, hey, I like that idea. So we've both been reading or listening to missionary stories, and I'm going to tell you what, you want to be convicted about your love for Christ. You read some missionary stories about people who've laid their bodies down to serve the Lord. I read about John or listened to John and Betty Stam, who died in China as missionaries because they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wanted to do his will, and they did. And before they reached 30, they were both dead as martyrs in China. 1936, I think, or 35. You could name story after story after story. And I believe as we look at this story, you can see two types of characters form. And again, it's not always pleasant to see ourselves in the Bible, but if we find ourselves sitting in a seat we don't want to be in, let's not pretend we're not in it. Let's figure out what we need to do about it. Amen? If we're not in the right seat, if we're not at his feet, but we're over here looking on with skepticism, uh, then we need to let the Lord deal with our heart like he dealt with Simon. We're going to begin tonight at looking at Simon. I want to consider who this man was, and I want to consider the opportunity he had. Here's a man that was a Pharisee, so we know that he's knowledgeable of the Bible. We know that he is familiar with Jesus Christ. If you read Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, I want to go ahead and read there very quickly. Mark, chapter 14, verse 3, we find another interesting fact about Simon. The Bible says in Mark 14, uh, verse 3, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. It would seem, based upon reading your Bible, that this Simon, number one, he's called a leper, and he's called Simon in Luke 7. So someone to make these two separate stories, I can't seem to do that in my mind. It's in the house of Simon. Mark 14 calls him Simon the leper. At that same house is a man named Judas Iscariot, whose father's name was Simon. It sure seems that this is Simon, the father of Judas. seems very... Not just, we're not making the Bible say something. You read your Bible, it seems very probable. I won't demand that fact, but I would say Simon was a leper. And if he was a leper, it would certainly seem that he's a leper that's been healed or he wouldn't be having people over to dinner. So here's a man who's familiar with Christ, most likely has received a miraculous healing from Christ. He invites Jesus over for dinner. We do know that. So he has an opportunity to have the very Son of God in his house, dwelling in his home. What an opportunity! But you know what? I believe as I see this story, Simon saw this as an opportunity to honor Simon. I got the master to come over to my house for dinner. He has Jesus over for dinner, and we see a number of things. His invitation, he welcomes Christ. He's not like the other Pharisees. Most of the other Pharisees wouldn't have him in. By the way, by the way, don't miss something about our Lord here. He was hard on the Pharisees, but when the Pharisees said, come over to dinner, you know what he did? He went where he was welcomed. He went. didn't matter if it was a Pharisee's house. It didn't matter if it was somebody else's. And the Pharisee says, I invite you into my home. Sounds to me like somebody who got saved, doesn't it? Sounds like Nicodemus, someone who's willing to have Jesus in the home. And so he has him in. He's invited him in. 
Uh, he makes some investment. He obviously used his own resources to prepare a meal. He's using his host, his house to host the Lord Jesus and his disciples. But in verse 39, you find that Simon's attitude is one of skepticism. He's there and he's got the opportunity to do what all of us should do and use his resources to fully serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But his perspective is all skewed. And we'll say more about Simon in a few minutes when the Lord addresses him and some of the things that need to be rebuked in his life. But in verse 39, when this woman comes in and anoints the Lord Jesus, here is where Simon's attitude shows up. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. He didn't say anything out. He just spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, if he were... If he were of, of God, he wouldn't allow this to go on. If he were a prophet, uh, he would have known uh, who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Simon's sitting there thinking, any man of God wouldn't let that woman do what she's doing. And if he were a prophet, I got news for you, he's more than a prophet. If he were a prophet, he wouldn't allow this to go on. So Simon sits back criticizing the woman for what she's doing and the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sits back investigating and inspecting the Lord. Don't miss this. Sometimes we may get in such a position that we feel ourselves equal enough or, or far, far enough along spiritually that we can, we can judge how the Lord is dealing with things and say, well, that can't be the Lord doing that or that wouldn't be done. He is, he's sitting here finding fault with Jesus Christ. Now, I know none of us in this room would do that. We would never find fault with the way the Lord does His work. We would never find fault with how the Lord allows work to be done, would we? Do you think Simon was convinced, I am sitting here criticizing God's only son? Or had he forgotten who he's dealing with for a few minutes? He says, well, if he were a prophet, he wouldn't allow this to go on. I just want to say these few things about Simon, the saint... The man who's got, he's got Bible knowledge. He has Jesus in his home. He has resources. He's invested. You say, why are we bringing all that? Because he represents what a lot of us are. We have welcomed Christ into our lives. We have a background of spiritual knowledge. We have resources we can serve God with. We have things we can do. Let me just say something. There's a lot of things Simon could be doing here. But what he's doing is making sure that everything's kosher in his house. <laughs> And so that's the saint. We see his invitation, invited Savior in, his investment. He's invested in having him a dinner, fed him a meal, and opened his home to him. But then his inspection is uh, that he has set himself as the judge of the Lord's methods of doing things. Now, by the way, the Lord will never do things outside of his own word. So don't misunderstand me. He's not whimsical. He is not. Uh, he's not going to be uh, operating outside the confines of his word. I don't want us to take what I'm saying here to say that tonight. Number two, we see the saint. Number two, we see the sinner. Verses 37 and 38. Behold, a woman in the city which was a... Here's why we call her a sinner in the outline. She was a sinner. Now, that doesn't mean she wasn't forgiven because by the end of the text we know she was. But this is what she was known as in the community. She was a bad one. She was one that had, had sinned much. If she is the woman referred to in Luke chapter 8, and we would believe based on Scripture she is, she was Mary called Magdalene, Luke chapter 8, verse 2, out of whom went seven devils. 
By the way, we meet people possessed with devils in our day and we can look at them and say there's no hope for them. Our Bible is full of examples that the Lord has no problem dealing with demons. There's no problem dealing with demons. Here's a woman who went from a demon-possessed woman to a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she had had seven devils. Obviously, she is a woman known for her sin. She is known for disobeying God. That's her past life, and therefore that's what she's known for. The woman in the city, which was a sinner, and when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, I'm just, I'm going to try to be transparent with you tonight. I find myself sitting by watching Simon, the host, who has so graciously opened his home, made room for Jesus at his table. Noble character that he is. He is a, a man that is cultured and he knows how to put on a dinner and he knows how to welcome an important guest like Jesus. Then this woman comes along and messes everything up. I mean, I sit here and I think, if I'm one of the disciples, the word that would come to my mind is, this is really awkward. Really awkward. Because she, as far as I can tell, she was not an invited guest. She hears Jesus is there, and she decides, if he's there, I'm going to see him. And at this moment, she has something very precious, and she says, I've got to take this now and pour this on the Lord Jesus Christ to demonstrate how much I appreciate what he's done for me. So she barges in on the dinner. She comes. She's bawling her eyes out. I don't know about you. It's awkward when somebody's crying. And she starts weeping so much, it it soaks his feet. She wipes them with the hairs of her head. She breaks that box of ointment. She pours it on him. And she anoints his feet. And the Bible tells us in the other text, the room was filled with with the odor of the ointment. By the time Jesus leaves, he smells like the spikenard. You mean in this, she poured on him that which gave him a good name. There's a good smell. A good name is better than ointment, the Bible says. She invested in him for the, for his name's sake. By the time things were done, it smelled, uh, lovely in that room. And I'm gonna tell you, this woman messed everything up. She came in, broke the box, she's weeping, and everything stops. And instead of Simon saying, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I serve like that? He sits and he says, something's wrong here. Something, this should have never happened. And if he were a prophet, he would know what I know. He would have enough sense to know this is not the way things are done. That woman is a bad girl. And if he knew who she was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. He obviously didn't know Christ, did he? Jesus said, in James chapter 4, God says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. But I want you to see a few things about this woman. This woman, uh, though I assume she had a house, at least if it's Mary Magdalene, she had a sister who had a house. But at this point in time, Jesus is not in her house. So she, she doesn't have a basin of water to offer him. She doesn't have a towel to offer him to wash his feet as he had washed his disciples' feet or would in the near future. She doesn't have money to bestow on him like I'm sure the Pharisee did. She didn't have a table for him to sit at right then, but I'll tell you what she did have. She had two hands. She had two feet. She had a box of ointment. She had an eye full of tears, and she had hair on her head. And she said, you know what? I've got some things I can serve Christ with. 
I may not have a basin and I may not have a towel and I may not have water in a basin, but I got tears I can shed. I've got hair I can use. I've got hands I can use and feet I can use. I'll use what I have to do what I can. May I say this tonight? There are people sitting on resources that could be used for God while other people lack those resources and do more for God with their lack of resources than many do with the resources they have. Don't miss what I'm preaching to you tonight. Here Simon sits with a house that's obviously furnished well enough to have guests and he could have done everything she did and did none of them. Her resources are simply, she's got a body. She's going to quit using it for sin and start using it for service. By the way, we're either using our bodies to sin tonight or we're using them to serve God. We're investing our lives in the body of Jesus Christ or we're investing it in the things of this world, but you really can't do both. And So we find she recognized the Savior's presence. She had regard for that presence. What was important to her is where he was at, and she used her resources that she had to serve him. Now, our message really is like this morning. The message is in the final point, and that's the Savior. Verse 40, so here's what happens. Jesus is sitting here. He said nothing yet. Simon's invited him. Simon has invested in him, a very minimal level. Simon is also inspecting him. Now, so we go on. Here's the sinner. She comes in. She's not inspecting Jesus. She's just worshiping him. She's just serving him. She comes in, she recognizes he's there, she uses her feet to come, she uses her hands and her head and uh, her body to serve him. Now the Savior's going to chime in because Simon sits back and with a critical eye, he says if Jesus knew who she were, if he were a prophet, he wouldn't let her touch him. And so Jesus answered what Simon thought. As I said this morning, he does the same with us. We think certain things and he answers us. I believe with all my heart, he answers us through the preaching of his word. Uh, Even today, he still does. And so, verse 40, and Jesus answering. Answering what? What's he answering, by the way? Let's just pause for a minute. What is Jesus answering? He's answering verse 39. Simon spake, did he not? So Jesus is going to answer him. But Simon spake within himself. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit of God can answer us when we didn't think we said anything. We sit back and with our pompous, arrogant pride, we answer I don't think this this can't be God. This can't be God. If it were God, he would do it like I do it. He would think like me. We need more repentance today than we think we do. Now hear me now. We need more repentance than we think we do. And that's why we have less than we should. Repentance is something, it's not just when you get saved. Jesus told the seven churches of Asia Minor to repent, meaning we don't think right, and he has to correct our thinking. And when the preaching of God's word and the written word, as we read and get in it, as the word of God and the spirit of God move to correct us, then we need to repent. And so Jesus is going, he's not the kind of preacher that beats around the bush. He's going to cut right to the chase. He gets into verse 40. Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. Again, you know what I would say? Awkward. (laughs) If I'm sitting there in Simon's seat and I just sat there and thought about Jesus, what I did, and then Jesus says, I want to say something to you. What I would say is, yes, sir. What would you like to say? Simon? I don't think Simon even has a clue. Because remember, he doesn't think he's a prophet right now. So how does Jesus know what he's thinking? And so verse 41, Jesus says this. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. 
Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said to him, Thou hast rightly judged. He's going to go and make an application. He begins with reproving Simon, and he uses the same method Nathan the prophet used. Not so serious a situation, but the same method. He tells the story. He says, it's very much what God's doing with us tonight. We're looking at a factual story to help shed some light on some things. He says, Simon, he had two debtors, and one owed 50 and the other owed 500. And when they had what? Both of them had what to pay? Nothing. That's where we were when we got saved. Owing a debt with nothing to pay, no righteousness to pay, no goodness to pay, no good, no good name to pay. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. They both had nothing to pay, but one of them had owed 50, the other one owed 10 times as much. And he forgave them both. They both received the same benefit. Now you understand, Simon is the, is the, is the debtor who owed 50. And this woman is the one who owed 500. And what he's saying is, and you know the story, you can see the application. He said, which of them do you reckon loved him the most? And Simon said, I suppose. Well, why suppose? It's not a hard answer. I suppose he whom he forgave most. Let's just put it to you like this. Someone has accrued a huge debt of sin against God. So much that no one thinks of them as a noble character. All the community can think of them as a wretch. And God says, I'm going to wipe your sin debt clean. These are the kind of people that generally go out and turn the world upside down. You know why the Apostle Paul never got over the Lord Jesus Christ? He had a huge debt. And the Lord forgave him. May I say, without being unkind at all, this room is filled with second and third and fourth generation Christians who only owed 40 or 50 pence. I mean, what was I? A lying little kid? I mean, that was bad, but... And often there's little love. Because we don't think we were forgiven that much. It's a danger. Now, I want us to see the analogy. I believe, please hear me. I believe one of the reasons we're in such desperate straits in America spiritually is because there are so many second and third and fourth generation Christians, as we like to say, who were saved, but I don't know if there's a real appreciation for what's been done for us. It's what I told you I preached about this morning. I don't know how much appreciation there is. Well, I, yeah, I need to be saved, and I'm convinced I go to hell without the Savior. But you take somebody over here that says, I, I could, if you could feel the flames of hell, I could feel it. I, I deserve it. I'm so, I'm so rebellious against God. The fact that God would even, would even want to save me blows my mind. This woman possessed with seven devils, it would seem, a wicked sinner, and yet the Lord wiped her sin debt clean. And the Lord says to Simon, I've got somewhat to say unto thee. You know what he's saying? You don't love me very much. Now, I've preached a number of things in this series of messages on the body. We will implement them according to our love for Jesus Christ. Because I've not preached you anything that's not in the Bible. God has a will for what he would like to see done with our bodies. Can we agree with that? God wants, Satan wants your body. God wants your body. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So tonight, the Lord does want the use of our body for His purpose. 
There are things that he would have us do ministering to his local church, his body, the church, things that we can invest our lives in like this woman did, but we will do so according to our love. And the Lord reproved Simon by her example. And by the reproof, what I mean is he gave an illustration that made very clear where the two people were that were in that room. One of you was forgiven much. One of you is forgiven little. One of you loves little. The other one loves much. Now, to be honest, is there really, I mean, is he dealing with the reality of how much forgiveness or the perception? Were we not all forgiven for being transgressors? Is it not true if you've offended in one point, you've broken it all? So the reality is in, in, in the mind of, of, a human, of, a, of a human being, we think, well, I wasn't a bad sinner. We wouldn't say that, but that's the way we think. I owed a debt, but it wasn't that great. But the fact is, he was forgiven little, loves little, and he was forgiven much, loves much. So that's the reproof he gives, but then he has rebuked Simon. Now listen, this is where the Lord gets very pointed with him says in verse 43, Simon answers, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said, and thou hast rightly judged. I'd like to hear those words from the Savior. You're right. Good judgment. Then he says, verse 44, and he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, see is now this woman. I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. He said, I came into your house. You had water to give. You didn't move your feet. He doesn't say these words, but that's all inherent in the text. You didn't move your hands. You didn't call your servants. You didn't get any water to wash my feet. They needed washed. Jesus had been out carrying the gospel of himself to a lost world, and he had dirty feet from doing his work. And He said, you gave me no water for my feet. And then he goes on to say, Uh, But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Verse 45. Thou gavest me no kiss. You didn't use your mouth to demonstrate your love for me. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. It's like this. Um, Jansen, come here for just a second. Okay. Now, in in Eastern cultures, they greet just a little differently than we do. Greet one another in a holy kiss, right? Bear with me. It's just kind of like this. Right? Cheek to cheek. And they weren't smooching on each other. It's like a handshake. Shake my hand. When I come into somebody's house, what you do? Hey, good evening. How are you? You know what Simon did for Jesus when he came in? You're Jesus. Come in the house. Come in. Oh, hey, Jesus. Have a seat. Thanks. No handshake. No holy kiss. Nothing. Oh, here's a seat for you right here, Master. Thank you for showing up. When Mary came in, man, she's at his feet. I won't kiss your feet, I promise. You can go be seated over there. Thank you. Jesus came in. He didn't even give him a cordial greeting. But this woman couldn't cease to kiss his feet. Using her mouth on his old dirty feet. I'm going to tell you something. You kiss somebody's feet, that's a lot of love. That's not a sensual love. That is a deep-hearted adoration of worship. So he says, you gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Verse 46, my head with oil, thou didst not annoy. Another Eastern custom that they would do for their traveling guests to anoint their head with oil. You didn't do that. You know what I would assume? Simon had oil to anoint him with. Would you assume the same thing? See, but you, you didn't do that, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. 
Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven her, for she loved much. That doesn't mean her great love bought her forgiveness. It means her great love revealed how much she had been forgiven. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with them, with them began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. He rebukes Simon. And he doesn't rebuke Simon for what Simon's doing with his body. Don't miss midnight. He's rebuking Simon for what he's not doing with his body. You with me? What kind of resources do we have tonight? How many of you own a Bible? You know what? There are people. I've told this to you before. I remember the night the Lord dealt with my heart, bowed my heart to surrender to His will. I had not been reading my Bible. I had not been using my hands to turn my pages unless I was sitting in church. I'd been lazy. I was a rotten kid not living for the Lord like I should. But the night God got my will broken and surrendered to Him, I read my Bible and I could not. And from that day to this, friend, I can't get enough of it. I cannot get enough of this book. I don't want to live without it. I don't want, I don't want to not read it. And I'm not talking about I can't get enough like, you know, sitting down and watching movies. It's not for entertainment. It's for the feeding of the soul. This, look, look, look. This is where we meet Him. If we sit and say, do I have to read my Bible? Where's Simon? How many chapters do I have to read? Simon! He who loves little does little. Nobody had to tell her that you have to kiss his feet 32 times before it's really worship. No one had to tell her to kiss his feet. She had two lips, two feet, and the mouth that could go and kiss his feet and show him he loved her, that she loved him. No one had to tell her rules about how to serve God. That's what Simon had to have. He had water. No, no, no water for Jesus' feet. That would disrupt his nice little world. And today we say, what do I have to do with my body as a Christian? We're Simons. Do I have to be in church every time the doors are open? Do I have to read my Bible every day? What we're saying is, I'm not going to move my body for Jesus unless somebody convinces me I have to. Just skip it already. I'm not mad at anybody, but there's something wrong, just like there was with Simon, when the God of heaven can walk in your living room and you not even offer water for His dirty feet. When Jesus Christ is actively working on this world today through local churches, and He is, by the way, and we 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 don't even invest in our, our bodies and our lives as we can and we should. We have Bible knowledge that we could invest in witnessing. I believe this, in kissing His feet, she is identifying with the mission and the ministry of His feet. She is saying, I love what your feet have done because the feet of the Son of God had come on earth and gotten dirty so the devil could be cast out of her life. And in kissing His feet, she is saying, I adore the one whose feet came to me. I believe this, I can preach with great eloquence and great study and all the Bible verses I want about how we ought to use our bodies for God. But if you love little, you'll do little. And if you love much, you'll do much. Truth, that's the way it is. So this sinner is commended because she's forgiven and Simon is rebuked for sitting on his resources and doing nothing when he could. I believe this. I cannot help but believe that at the judgment seat for Christians, 
some of our hardest things are going to be the Lord saying, I gave you that talent and you buried it. I want you to think tonight. Now, I'm going to try to get real practical. And I want, but I want, to be, I want to be careful because I don't want the wrong spirit. But I want you to think, what, would, what are some things that we know are at the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ that we could give our bodies to that we're not even thinking about? What are some things we could do in regard to His body, the church, that, that we could say, you know what? He saved me. I want to do whatever it takes to show Him I love Him and that I want to serve Him. How do we today kiss the feet of Jesus? I believe when we connect our mouth with the ministry of His feet, we're kissing His feet. You with me? What would hinder us from engaging more fully and doing what we know, what we know is at His heart? Only that I know is little love. I'll just leave it right there for the moment. The Savior reproved Him by this example. said one was forgiven much and one was forgiven little. And then He rebukes him and He says, Here, you see this woman? You see this woman? I want you to think of somebody tonight that you think of as a fanatic or whole hog or someone that's sold out. Help me now. I want you to engage with me a little bit. You think of somebody. You don't have to say their name. But what gives you the idea that someone is sold out for Jesus Christ? What do you see in their lives that make you think that person is all in? Help me tonight. Very good. What they speak about, the way they speak, I would say it's right at the top. What else? If you see somebody say, man, they are, they're just all in. I've known a handful of people in my life, and this is going to go in conjunction with what Jeff just said. It doesn't matter where you go. I don't care what country you're in. I don't care what store you're in. They're going to talk about the Lord. I mean, they, they are going to talk about the Lord. And so, I know some people do that for a show. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I, I think of my Grandpa Bob. And Grandpa Bob was, I mean, some would say he was like a bull in the china shop. And he kind of was. But I'll tell you one thing. That man never got over Jesus Christ saving his soul. His marriage was on the rocks because he was a drunkard and a fool. He had had stripes taken from him in the army because he had been drunken and a fool. He was not what he ought to be. And Christ saved him. And he never got over it. My Grandpa Charles, the same way, personality so different. Grandpa Charles was more get to know you and talk to you. But both of those men, I mean, no one had to tell them, you know, you really ought to give out gospel tracts. What you had to do is if it embarrassed you for people to talk about the Lord Jesus in public, don't hang around with those guys because they're gone. We sit around and say, I believe if God were in that work, people wouldn't behave that way. Simons. I'd rather see some ignorant, uneducated person go out there kissing the feet of Jesus than someone sitting back constantly criticizing the way the work is being done and doing nothing. Someone said to D.O. Moody one time, I don't like the way you go so winning. He said, I don't like the way you don't. You tell me, at least I'm doing something. It's kind of what Simon's doing. I don't like the way this is going on. This is not what I think it should look like. Jesus said, Simon, I got something to say to you. I got something to say to you. Here you are, you've got water, you've got a basin, you've got oil you could anoint my head with, you've got resources you could use, and she's done it without the resources, simply using a surrendered body. She used her hair for a towel, her hands for a hammer, 
She used her uh, she used her mouth as a way to demonstrate her love and loyalty to the Savior. She washed her, his feet without all of that because she was willing to use her body to honor and glorify him. I began to say earlier, we can preach, and I will, the principles about how the Christian should use her, his or her body, but those really will mean nothing if I don't realize how much I've been forgiven. See, what happens is, when I I can get a hold of what was preached this morning, or rather it gets a hold of me, when I realize how great the grace of God in forgiving a sinner like me, there's nothing that I'm not willing to do with my body to honor Him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to cut right down to it. A lot of times, we're like Simon. We're not doing evil with our bodies. But we're not doing good. We're not using actively what we've been given and put in our hands to minister to and serve the Lord Jesus Christ as we could. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, God said to Moses, What is that in thine hand? You would expect a golden scepter, wouldn't you? It was a stick. But when Moses used it the way God said, God did miracles with it. And we have something in our hand today because of what God put in Moses' hand. He said, what are you trying to say tonight? I'm trying to say this. When it comes to the use of our body, it's not about, you go ahead and get your list of, you'll come up with a list of things. But I don't think if I said to Mary, now here is how you demonstrate love for Jesus. Use your hair to wipe his feet, tears to wash his feet, break your ointment. You know what she said? Here's what I've got. And here's how I can use what I've got to demonstrate I love and will serve him. Here's how I'm going to demonstrate that to him. Now, for you practically tonight, I, I want you to think about not what are you doing with your body as a Christian, but what won't you do? Something that stands out to me, and I said, I'm going to speak plainly tonight, about what we need spiritually as a church right now is what I'm preaching on tonight. Spiritual lethargy is not pursuing evil, it's just refusing to pursue right. And it's pursuing right and good at a very slow pace. What would it take tonight to get us on fire for God? It would take having a heart like Mary. It would take having a heart like Mary. It's not saying or thinking. How many of you think it crossed Simon's mind to wash Jesus' feet? How many think it crossed his mind? How many think he sat there and thought, I should wash his feet, but I'm not going to? I don't think so. You know what the problem was? It didn't cross his mind. That's the problem. How many think it crossed his mind, I should, uh, oh, I should really anoint his head with oil? No, because he didn't have a great appreciation for Jesus Christ and never crossed his mind. There are things we ought to be doing that never even cross our mind because we're living for us, not him. Simon did not have Jesus in the house so he could demonstrate worship. I think that's evident. He didn't have Jesus in so he could do something for the Lord Jesus, so he could show how great Jesus was. Jesus' presence demonstrated how great Simon was. Really. And so many times in our lives, that's really, if we boil down why we're doing or not doing what we're doing with our bodies, it has more to do with our own personal comfort. It has more to do with what makes us fit in in the culture. It has more to do with avoiding criticism than it does with demonstrating, I love Jesus Christ and I want to do what pleases Him. That's the driving force behind how we use our bodies to serve God. That's why it's reasonable service. 
And so tonight, I, I want you to think, what am I doing? But think about this, what will I not do? Many times the Spirit of God prompts our heart or tries to prompt our heart. Or many times it's someone else's example that serves as a reproof and conviction to us. I've watched this happen. Some Christian gets in who God has forgiven much. They get on fire for God. They can't put their Bible down. They can't learn enough lessons from God's Word. They can't have enough hunger and zeal to have opportunity to go give the gospel. They haven't got enough time to serve God. Give me something else I can do. He saved me. What can I do for Christ? And I've watched other Christians say, yeah, well, I wished I had the kind of time they have. What a bunch of nonsense. We're all the same amount of time in every day. It's not a lack of time, it's a lack of love. Hear what I just said now. It's not a lack of time, it's a lack of love. It's not a lack of money, it's a lack of love. That's not the issue. Simon was not short on resources, he was short on love for Jesus Christ. I mean, it was like knowing we don't love him like we should. Isn't that a comforting thought? Not to me. But may I say tonight, lack of service to him is not lack of resources. Mary shows us that. She didn't have a towel, but she served him anyway. She didn't have water, but she washed his feet anyway. She didn't have money, but she had something of value, and she poured it on him anyway. She didn't have what Simon had, but she served him anyway. We have a, a dear lady. We try to get her to come to church, and she always tells me, some of you know what I'm talking about, so don't say names. She always tells me how busy she is. How busy she is. I'm so busy. I finally told her yesterday. I said, look, I'm busy too. She said, but I like coming to church. I said, well, how am I supposed to know? You never come. <laughs> we play the same kind of games with ourselves. Oh, I love the Lord. I wish I could serve him more. May I say something tonight? We are serving Jesus Christ not every bit as much as we want to. No one hinders us except us. Simon didn't stop her. It was his house. He didn't stop her. Right? She served. She used what she had and she served. So the Lord reproves Simon. He rebukes Simon. But then he commends her. We'll call it a recommendation. He uses her wholehearted service and use of her body to do what pleased the Lord and to honor Him by how she used her body. May I say this? How we talk? I got one answer out there, by the way. But what makes us think someone's sold out? Any other answers tonight? What do you see in somebody else that makes us think we're sold, that they're sold out? Before we move on. Jeff said what people say. I agree. Yes, sir. The way we live. Very good. Truth. How about we spend our time? You ever see somebody and they just they, they can't get enough of doing what the Lord wants? We could go through a host of things. You see and you say, man, you know. But what happens is we, like Simon, find a way to dismiss their example because it's a reproof. And the Lord Jesus is going to say, no, no, no. You, you watch that for a minute. You watch how that person serves the Lord. I want to ask you this. What would prevent every saved person in this room tonight from using our bodies to pour out what we have in and on the person of Jesus Christ and on his body, the local church? What would prevent each one of us from ministering to the Lord in this manner tonight? And this is the heart of the message. What would prevent me from using my feet to take the gospel? What would prevent me from using my feet 
to be assembling with His people when I have opportunity? What prevents me from using my hands to open His Word and find what's there? What would prevent me from shedding my tears over lost sinners because that's where His heart is at? What what would prevent me tonight from being so wholly given to His service like this woman was? The same thing that prevented Simon. That's all. Simon loved little. May I say this? How much of our bodies are given to the will of God, whether it's through purification or work for Him, is directly connected to how much we love Him. That's the heart of this message. One man sat, his hands never picked up a towel, his hands never picked up a basin of water, his feet never moved across the room to take it, his oil never came out of the cabinet, Not because he didn't have it, but because it never crossed his mind to invest it in Jesus Christ. And here's a woman who didn't have any of it, and she did it all anyway. Because she said, I don't have a towel, I don't have water, but I do have some hair, and I do have some eyes, and some tears, and some hands and feet, and a box of spikenard, though it's the most precious thing I've got. I know one person that's worthy of that, and I'll give it to you. May I say to you young people tonight, and I want you to listen closely to me. You have a box of spike nerd. It's called your youth. It's called your youth and your strength. And someone's going to encourage you to invest your youth in being smarter than the next youth down the street. And someone's going to encourage you to invest your youth in learning how to make money and learning how to be brilliant and learning how to build a career and learning how to do something for yourself. Can I encourage you tonight? Love your Savior who died for you enough to break your box and pour it on Him. You can serve Christ with your strength. You don't have to serve Him with your weakness. You don't have to wait till you're 75 years old and too achy and, and filled with pain to move to try to serve God. Pour what's precious on Him. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. What keeps young people from pouring their youthful years into the service of Jesus Christ? Little love. Little love. For the young people, I'm going to tell you something. God, one of the greatest favors God ever did for me is He let me to myself long enough to allow me to see what He saw. You are as wicked as any man ever born. Friend, I believe that with all my heart. I believe I'm I'm as wicked as any man that's ever been born. And God allowed me enough time running my own life, making my own decisions to show me what I would be if he hadn't saved me. Long enough to see how swift I was headed in a wicked downward direction to reveal to me, you've been forgiven as much as anybody else. And if I have any burden that weighs on my soul today and every day, oh God, help me never forget how much I've been forgiven. If you don't know tonight how much you've been forgiven, you've never seen yourself like you should. You know what I believe Jesus was trying to do with Simon? By the way, what is the first and great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. You know what Jesus is telling Simon? You're a greater sinner than she. She loves with all. You love little. Is it a sin tonight to love Jesus Christ little? It is. How can we show our love for him? Give him all. So I don't love him like that. 
Ask Him to give you a lesson like He gave Simon. Lord, help me to see where my heart is at tonight. You know what? I'll say this. I have never had any problem teaching people who are Christians how to use their bodies when they love Jesus Christ. It's only with those who love themselves a little more. That's the only time. Tonight, where is it? Am I a skeptic or am I a servant? Am I sitting back saying, "Ah, that's not the way it ought to be done. Jesus doesn't want a bunch of fanatics. Or am I a fanatic? Let me be a fanatic. Amen? And you. His recommendation, he says, this woman, she is what done what you should have done. And then he assures her, your sins are forgiven. Can I just say this in closing? You may battle with assurance of your salvation. Nothing will assure you that you are saved like demonstrating the one who saved you what he's worthy of, giving him your all, giving your body to honor and glorify him. If you'll purpose this, I will do nothing with my body that I know doesn't please him, and I will use my body to do the things that show that he is, he is worthy of it all. I'll do only what pleases him. How do you think he was pleased with what she did? I believe so. What she's saying is, you know what? You may think bad of me, and you may think bad of me, but that's the one who forgave my sins, and I'm going to pour everything I have of value on him. That's where it is tonight. I hope this makes some sense tonight. We remind us tonight of what James 4.17 says. We said at the beginning of the message, Wherefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Wouldn't you say Simon demonstrates that? He should have known to do what she did, but he did it not. Is that not what Jesus rebuked him for? He didn't rebuke Simon for being an adulterer, a fornicator, or a drunkard, an idolater. He rebuked him for not using what he had to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.